0: you're listening to the evolution exchange podcast australia a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders in sydney i'm danny and i help connect businesses with top tech talent and today i'm your host Hey guys, how's it going? I'd um, like to thank you all for joining me today to discuss working from home, how to get the best out of engineers working remotely. i um, joined by a fantastic panel today, therefore I'd like to kick off the podcast by asking who you are, what you do and what you're passionate about. Um, Greg, do you want to kick things off?
1: Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Greg Tobin at uh, AC3. Um, I head up our Hyperscale Cloud uh, practice. So In that practice, I look after our reseller business of AWS and Azure, as well as a a couple of big teams, uh, DevOps engineers, Cloud engineers, and solution architects, as well as our internal platforms teams. Um, What am I passionate about? Um, I'm passionate about technology, um, uh, more recently, DevOps, and then more recently on that is how to get the best out of people, because these days I don't get to touch the tools as much. um and it's more about how do I get our engineers and our and and our solution architects to kind of you know make the most of their own um, careers and and helping our customers um, you know make the most of the technology.
0: Amazing, great stuff. And uh,
2: Gabriel
1: hey guys um gabriel sandrussi head of technology
2: for platforms at class class is a technology company in self-managed super funds um, and other areas of business so my role with the company is managing our platforms team which is including our devops infrastructure and support teams and cyber security passionate about all things technology to be honest um, personally really want to understand You know, read up a lot about ways of working, leadership, you know, as progressing more, getting more into that, and a lot of more recent times brought up topics, leadership around working remotely, and leadership with managing, you know, new new newish teams. Brilliant. And
0: Arnav?
3: Yeah, sure, thanks. Um, My name is Arnav, and I'm working with Evanard as a manager in cybersecurity space so i come from i'm a hardcore microsoft person i come from microsoft background have worked in different technologies right now it's issue and i'm passionate about cloud how different things tie up together they work in connection with each other so yeah that's
0: brilliant good stuff and to kick off the first question to
2: the panel um gabriel do you want to start for me yeah sure so the, my question was, how has remote working impacted your engagement with your teams, either positively or negatively? And can you elaborate on some of the things you've done to either foster it in a positive way or if there has been negative things coming out, what are some of those challenges and how you've gone about addressing them?
1: Cool. So with. I think, yeah, I'll jump in. Um, we, so so we, we, uh, we've actually got quite a distributed team already. And um, many years ago before the pandemic started a- as part of a- another role I had inside the same organization, we needed to go 24 by seven. Um, and, and the way that we did that was we decided to go um, around the world, follow the sun type approach. Um, and and we actually made the choice to send all our engineers out of the office at that time and learn how to work in a distributed fashion. So we were probably kind of, in the the hot seat, I guess that when the pandemic rolled around and everybody kind of threw everybody home and, and said, "Hey, this is what we're going to do now. We can't come into the office, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, um, to be able to provide that support, not just within our own organisation, but um, to to um, to other to our customers as well. Um, I think some of the key learnings from that and this one that we gave as key points was you you need to foster new ways to do the ad hoc communication. Um, you know, people are used to sitting, standing around the cooler, going for the coffee, finding somebody to eat lunch with, that sort of thing. Um, but when you're at home, you kind of need to Almost consciously make that effort, and particularly it's the case if you're not a fast typist, right? So you go from this kind of mentality of talking to typing those tidbits of conversations on things like Slack and and that sort of thing. So having making sure that you you find personally those new ways to um, continue to engage um, with your team, and and you as a manager and uh, and any other staff that that are good at that sort of thing, um, taking people under their wing, I suppose, and and, and kind of encouraging them on how how to get that those little conversations happening in those platforms, um, using using those things that are available to, to not worry, you know, hey, have you got a minute? And jump into a Zoom or a Slack or a Teams or or, or whatever it is in, in that, and and to keep those little, um, uh, you know, off the cuff conversations going because they're the important ones that actually make all the other more formal conversations kind of take shape so that that that's, that was kind of my learning when we originally did it and the learnings that I that I took into the at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 and 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 it's paid off
0: I love that Arnav oh, do you have any more kind of comments in that particular area how you've managed that process
3: Uh, Yeah, sure, kind of like similar approach, but the way we work is like we have different teams, not only in Australia, we have our teams sitting in Singapore, India, US. So it didn't make much of a difference to us. And the way we work is we are usually at the customer side. We don't interact with our peers. So it was usually like going on a weekend outside or maybe a Friday evening with the teams, but now it's sort of like limited to a location. So Sydney team would, catch up in Sydney and Melbourne would doing uh, in Melbourne. So likewise, uh, we don't travel often, but uh, we we are doing like teams meeting after after us or catching up with the smaller groups. So the way the way we used to handle the big teams, it's being handled in a smaller way or different ways right now. Mm-hmm. And the engagement with offshore teams or the counterpart in the US and other countries, it, it remains the same for us and same applies for the customer as well. So we are doing pretty much the same thing we used to do uh, before pandemic. And it's the same for us.
0: Nice. Have you had any kind of negative experiences with that with, with engaging remote teams?
3: Uh, not really. It's it was more about the customer requirements because some of the customers, let's say defense or some 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 uh, banking customers, they were expecting you to come to office and and uh, have the meetings or have their systems and uh, accessibility to the systems, uh, but uh, even those people have cheese they they prefer remote uh, remote working and they are flexible nowadays so it's it's good for us because we don't have to travel to a different city or state uh, now and then so it has become like positive uh, for us. yeah
0: mm-hmm.
2: and what about yourself gabriel
3: yeah i mean look
2: on the surface everyone's fine working from home we've been doing it for two years and it works but the problem that we're starting to see or have noticed for in the most recent lockdowns in Sydney, for example, is that onboarding people, number one, is a challenge in that we want to make them part of the culture, a big part of the culture, at class, but a lot of organisations, those are the people. And it's not the same, you know, even this podcast, I think we would have had a, it would have been much more engaging in person and you get that that feeling in yeah. person. And that's what we're missing now in these remote teams it's not about getting the work i think in the short term we're finding yeah, it can deliver but it's a long term about people being part of your culture and are they going to be a long-term employee versus we'll call them the short-term COVID employee they've taken an opportunity to fill in that time and yeah that's i was curious to see how organizations are going about it class as well was primed and ready to work remotely from you know, the start of last year—that wasn't the problem. It's those things that we're starting to see. Yeah.
1: On on the topic of, sorry, Denny. No, on no go ahead, On the topic of onboarding, on the topic of onboarding, I, I, what 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 we did is we noticed that too. So we actually had set up cohorts or, or groups of of people who were onboarded recently, and, and got them in front of different parts of the business. So it might have been a part that they're working in for themselves, but they might have been with three or four other people, and a leader of that or a manager of that group kind of introduced themselves. What do we do? Where do we fit into the business, and that sort of thing to to continue growing that that culture for those uh, those new people. And that seems to have seemed to have helped fill that gap of of that. So I know it made it a little bit more formal, which. It is what it is, but it continued that kind of conversation around building that culture across the business and not being, uh, what do you, you know? You, you got your blinkers on and you, you're only working in your team, your team all the time because that's the only people, and you're just saying, "Hey, Steve, can you talk to Mike?" and and that's all you ever do, and you know Steve never gets to talk to to Joe over in Team X because they don't run into each other in the in the in the hallway at the office, so you have to kind of force those connections, if you like. And once you force those connections, it, it, it suddenly became that they started to reach out across the business and, and kept that culture going.
2: So is AC3 asking employees to return to the office or you? Is, is, is the management team comfortable with how you're operating right now?
1: But we're completely flexible at the moment. Um, we, we already have people um, all over Australia and New Zealand and in fact all over the world and and so we've we've got a lot of um, experience I guess under our belts on how to work in a distributed team not just across um, you know one continent but many continents and many time zones as well so I, I guess we've got a lot of the um, the scars to, you know and and learnings that we've brought to, to this yeah.
0: All right, good stuff. Um, I think that takes us quite nicely onto a question regarding kind of productivity. Um, Arnav, would you like to introduce your questions to the panel? Uh,
3: Yeah, sure. My question was, uh, since like most of the companies are working, like allowing their employers to work from home and uh, they may be given an option to either come to office or stay at home, like employers should be flexible on that. But in case uh, someone wants to work from home on a regular basis, like I don't want to come to office at all, so what do you think in those scenarios should should, should the manager of the company would be give should should be giving some KPIs or the, the targets like like if you stay at home for uh, a month you're saving like 40, 40 hours a month and that's like a week for you so utilize that week and go for a certification or upskill yourself or do some pre-sales engagement or talk to the offshore teams which are in a different time zones so. Should those uh, KPIs be handed over to the employers so that they work extra hours or they, they give extra efforts because you're saving the time for the travel time and the time in office?
2: I mean, my thoughts are it's really hard right now. I think a lot of companies are still trying to figure it out, especially if full-time remote working has only been new to your company for the last two years. You do have to weigh up productivity of people at home and how well it is, and, and how, as a manager, you can um, measure that. I think maybe, I think it depends on, on the type of business you are. Some, some business can't be 100% remote, and I think, you know, I think businesses where you're very customer-facing and your customers have an expectation that you be there, there's just that expectation, and you've got to set that with your staff. But pe- um, employees like with a role like a developer, it's proven that they can continue to work remotely. They don't need to be customer facing. They can continue to be productive. i would put on the flip side to that is to actually delve down and make sure people are productive at home because what, what we find is people are, are burning out because you're continuously moving from product to product to product. The time that you are saving in travel to and from the office and that you are saving in, in that commute you're making it up by just adding extra meetings. Now, is that healthy in the long-term? I think that's one of the questions you really do need to understand.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I think we need, to, we need to limit our number of hours that we are working per day because at office it was like you start at eight, finish by four, you have a train at four fifteen, and you then disappear. But uh, not at home, it's usually like you go back till five, then it could be 5.15 or it could be six on some days. So maybe restricting the number of hours, then utilizing the hours you save to do something else.
2: Yeah. So for example, class now has monthly recharge days. And what they are is days off for the whole company. And the idea is if everyone's taking the day off in the company, everyone's taking the day off. And that's in response to what we're finding people work in those extra hours and just stuck into the work 100% of the time. We've also have blocked out hours organization-wide in our calendars that we call headspace zones, meaning studies have shown you're most productive at certain hours of the day and those hours are blocked out and recommend that staff use that to be productive rather than sit there and have meetings, either internal or external, focus on your tasks at hand so you don't have to work until midnight to catch up. And then I think also part of the company culture in recognising that just. A lot of companies starting to give back to staff in other ways and the money that. Um, they would save in events in the office and have a virtual event and they give that on. We had a we have monthly innovation. Days at class, we call them ignited class where it's a day off the tools. Obviously, there are exceptions to that. You know, we, have, we still have operations to run, and we still have back-end office systems that need to be maintained. But for the most part, the whole organization's off. everyone takes part in it, it's in the vein of a hackathon where what are all those burning ideas or, or things that you just wanted to get to that you don't have time during your normal day-to-day, and we've given you that one day in the month to work on it, and then report back on it. It's either It's either working on an idea or self-learning. So I think a lot of organisations are starting to recognise that, you know, there is that burnout, you are working, when don't have the commute where you can kind of switch off, they're giving other ways for their staff to switch off and, be, and remain productive.
1: I, I, have, I have first-hand experience of that problem from many years ago when we started to go remote and I'd be working at, 7am till 6pm you know kind of crazy things like that and and one of the things that I learned then and I I, um, kind of passed on to the team more in more recent times was pretend that you're almost going to work maybe squash the hours a little bit or whatever but get up make the breakfast have a shower go for a run walk whatever it is that you do like you would have been from the train to the office, right? So, so put those kind of things into place. So you keep into that uh, rhythm, humans love structure, right? And And that starts to separate your work environment, in double quotes, from your life environment. They might be the same, but you've kind of separated it by going for that walk and segregating that time. On your original question point around, should the targets and KPIs shift? I don't think it should shift because you're working from home. I think you need to, it's about the engineer and what you want out of the person as a whole. It should be regardless of whether they want to be an office dweller, a home dweller, or somewhere in between. Focus on the outcome of the of the company and the individual.
0: I think that's a pretty good point. I've actually seen some companies um, recently, not naming any names, but actually paying engineers less. If you're fully remote, you getting paid paid less because obviously you don't need the additional money for uh, making your way into the office and those kind of expenses as well, which I mean, I've still got my opinions on that, but what are your guys' thoughts on that situation?
2: I don't, know. I don't agree with that, but I, I can understand. So if, like, let's take the commute out of everything. Sydney, we know that Has higher salaries than act or western australia or wherever else in australia i think sydney and melbourne are top two if you're hiring someone in sydney you're hiring at that higher salary because of the cost of living there so i can understand why organizations get to that level i don't agree that they should cut that back if it's a it's if there is a problem in saving money on an engineer's salary i think have a chat with it and really understand where you want to be in the market but I know some of those companies as well, and they're really, at, we're talking global partners that are having some of those conversations, which I find that weird, to be honest. I can understand
1: where they are coming from, but I still find it weird. I just don't, I don't understand. I think it's a complicated problem. Like Gabriel has said, it's like, well, if you live in a place that's expensive, you kind of have a related salary to that. And now if you we are on that, and then you say, hey, I want to move, I, you're still producing the same output, but were you remunerated on that output? Or was there a component of that output? Like like I've got engineers in in the US, I've got engineers in other places in the in the world, I've got engineers in New Zealand and in multiple places in New Zealand. Just if I was to baseline to what I paid to, you know, Sydney, some of them would be on gazillions of dollars for where they live, right? And and that would be that wouldn't be conducive to us, kind of mm. being a profitable business as well, right? Like our rates that go to customers would have to have to go up to support that. But we're able to offset that if the customer can be flexible on time, and where the engineer is, by saying, well, if you can do it here, well, then we can have uh, have someone who you know we don't say it directly, but we we balance out. Their capability and their, and their requirements with what the customer can do. And that's how we can keep our rates to the customer down. But yeah, I can, I think it's, it's not a black or white answer, right?
0: <laughs> no, it's very contentious for sure.
2: I, don't,
1: I think it's I don't in know,
2: response, kind of, sorry, think it's a response, they want to get people back in the office. I really think that is, it's kind of maybe an empty threat, who knows, but I really think that. Big companies, big tech, trying to get people back in the office. And we've seen some, like, I think Google doesn't have a 100% re- working remote policy. They want people in the office certain hours, same as Apple. Microsoft different. They have a policy of work anywhere at any time. You know, you could be hired in the US and paid at those rates, move to Australia and still get paid the same rates. It's a work anywhere from anywhere at any time. I don't know whether that's changed now, but... Um, as far as as long as two years ago it was in place so uh, yeah
0: very interesting and um arnav kind of back to your original question what are your thoughts thoughts on that
3: uh, yes and no because it, it like it depends on the person to person company to company uh, you could be exhausted working 12 hours a day, so you won't have anything in lift. But if you stick to like eight hours, I would say start at eight and finish at four, that's it. So you still have time and you can like brush up your skills, learn new things, or at least on, in, your, in your personal time, do something else. So, yeah, because even like uh, if you talk about like uh, person to case, uh, person cases, but in my case, I usually log off by four or I don't. Uh, I stopped replying to people after four and the next one out is for myself so it depends from person to person
0: yeah blocking out time in your diary to, to do that yourself um all right greg do you want to introduce your question for us or your topic rather
1: yeah sure so what i was interested in um was some of the tools um of the trade in, in, in a remote quote unquote environment um and and making sure i guess that the engagement between um, the team is kept up, but isn't overwhelming, so that nothing gets done. So yeah, so I, I'm interested in in some of the tools of the quote-unquote remote trade. Um, kind of, you know, you, you did you suddenly switch to Slack, or did Slack suddenly become more important, or or, or um, uh, video conferencing like Zoom or Teams or anything like that, or or, or were there other things that that were more used? After you went to you know a remote kind of iteration, Um, but also in that same vein, how do you make sure that the teams, um, the engagement within the team, is kept up, right? But not to a point where you're overwhelming them. I I guess the classic case, and I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, is is um, you know. 8 a.m. The first meeting starts, and then you literally have meetings all the way through until 5 p.m. So you just are going Zoom, finish one, join next, finish one, join next, finish one, join next, finish one, join next, right? And you just end up being in Zoom all day, and and that's been a probably for 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 some people in my team or even across the business, that's been the biggest contentious point. But, but I'd like to hear some more on what you've done, because we've done some things, but I'll, I'll hear from the panel first, and then we can circle back
3: to myself. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll start because uh, being a Microsoft uh, partner, or I would say owned, a bit of Evernard is owned by Microsoft, so we are hardcore, user, hardcore in using Teams. So using all the features, nothing has changed for us. We use whiteboards, we use internal Teams, and those kind of things. It hasn't changed much, much, but if you're talking about customer engagement, so there are customers who are using G Suite and it's not like very user friendly or like teams don't talk to G Suite, kind of those things. So, in those scenarios, it's pretty hard for us, but then you have daily calls or something around that. So, that's that makes our life easier. And uh, that's how, how we, we've been dealing with it, like Teams call and if, we, if uh, And when it comes to like meetings starting from 8 to 5 or whatever that is, like whatever schedule is, I would say it still depends on the person to person because I usually book an hour in, in between for my lunch or if I don't have my lunch, at least no one blocks me and I have my personal time to do some things or things which have been pending because of the meetings. So, 12 to 1 is booked after 4 is booked before 8, 8 a.m. Is, is pretty much booked. So, people are left with like five or six hours they can book in. So, that's how I'm dealing with I'm pretty sure that's the way uh, other people in my company also manage their workload.
2: The collaboration tools always there in the startup pandemic. So, the video tools, I think there was a focus specifically with Zoom in making sure. There was a big talk about security, just making sure that we've secured it enough and working with Zoom as they developed, we would continuously update the portal. So, that was, I think, security was the biggest um, focus in tool sets, but also in, um, in, pro- in how we're interacting. We had to take a security conscious. So, you know, having, having applications like I've rolled out Cisco Umbrella during the pandemic and that was due to to using we wanted to implement cloud firewalls people connecting via vpn but they were still on work devices that could connect up to their home computers and browse anything you want because you're no longer behind a corporate firewall you could get malware like that you could download apps unintentionally if you had certain admin rights so they were some of the biggest focuses as far as you know the back-to-back meetings Again, some of the things like we, we we've done in class is block out company-wide certain areas where people are not in meetings. It's really on the individual to stick to that, though. I can't sit there and tell my team don't accept a meeting in that time. Do you do some other work or take a mental break? It's up to the individuals. So what we do as a management team is continuously reinforce and foster that type of environment. As a manager, I wouldn't block out those times, and if someone in my team booked out my time. In that period i would decline it explaining the reason why and we're just trying to get people in that habit to work more productively
1: cool yeah so so we we saw a um um we, we had slack and zoom and because we were already in a fairly distributed kind of organization but they they kind of, kind of both massively hockey sticked you know right at the beginning of 2020 and, and the usage just went through the through the roof um, and so much so, like you, like you, we ended up having those eight to five kind of meetings and, in fact, probably a little bit over and sometimes even a little bit before. Um, and and some of the things that we've kind of done is, is the same kind of approaches that have been talked about so far. Um, the concept of, of me days. So uh, Friday afternoon, similar to what you said earlier, Gabriel, where the organization kind of gets together and has the afternoon off. Right. So you can go and re re baseline yourself for for um for the next week. Um and and some of the other people some other people have done things similar to what you said, um, Anav with um booking their lunchtime out, right? And then declining the meetings when it comes in so you can break your day up and actually go and have that that break and whatnot. Um we we've also got people we've tried to put in Place with some success and some not of you know fifty-five minute meetings, or 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 twenty-five minute meetings instead of the full hour, full half an hour. Um, and the other thing is to try and keep to to a point uh, of those meetings. Right? Is it is it? Can you have it in Slack? Can you do it over an email? That sort of thing, right?
0: How have you found that with the kind of 25 minute 55 minute meeting thing because i mean even when i book meetings out for an hour they always seem to overrun pretty drastically has that been a bit of a challenge <laughs> uh,
1: the thing that i kind of got the teams to do um for that had the biggest improvement was not just the 25 minutes or the 55 minute um meetings was actually get an agenda with a set of outcomes that you wanted to see and provide um the content Collateral and, and and anything else to, to who was attending so that you could come prepared and actually get it get an outcome. Um, that made meetings actually some of the some of the time happen really quickly, uh, which was the best thing. Um, and of course, wherever you can try and have it where is was this necessary to have it? Ask yourself, is this necessary to have a meeting with this many people, or can I achieve the same thing in a Slack room? Or a Slack channel, or or a one-on-one conversation with somebody, and actually get more point questions out to the wider group if needed.
0: Brilliant! I love that. Anybody else going to kind of comments to add to
3: that? Uh, I do. Like, I think it depends on the culture of the company and the people there. Because I've worked with some customers, and if the meeting is for 30 minutes, they stick to it and some th- some customers are like if it is 30 minutes it can go up to two hours two and a half half hours so i think it, it totally depends i've worked with like strange people so it depends on the culture and how you control the the time.
0: yeah i think it's just general kind of um teams and vc etiquette isn't it i think they've obviously not got that nailed down very well if it's going on for an extra two hours <laughs> yeah. um Amazing, just to kind of round things off, has anybody got any kind of additional comments or anything else that they want to throw to the panel?
1: I think it's an interesting time that we're in and we haven't figured out whether it's a hybrid, whether it's a remote, whether it's a back to the office. And I, I think it's going to land somewhere in the middle. And, and I think you've got almost all three kind of extremes with this, this panel. In, in what we've got available to us and what we're trying to do with the different approaches across it right so and, and we've talked about some of the extremes with some of the other companies out in the wild uh, so it, it'll it be interesting yeah definitely
0: um all right gents thank you so much for that some really really interesting discussion points there um